What's going on? This is the Find Your Fearless podcast, and I am your host, Erica Hepperly, your favorite woman's elevation and breakthrough coach, founder of the Fearless Feminine Project, gut and hormone health expert. In this podcast, you will find the raw and real moments of what it means to live life fearlessly. From living life in corporate to building my life self-portrait, I will empower you to finally wake up to your life and feel comfortable as fuck in your body. I will ignite your confident superpower so you finally get the hell out of your own way and see the magic in your life unfold. Because when you live your life fearlessly, mm, that's when alchemy starts to happen. Welcome back to the Find Your Fearless podcast. I am so pumped to share with you today's guest who is literally changing the whole paradigm of belief systems within society and challenging people to turn their struggles into their power and their gifts. Megan, welcome. I'm so excited to be here, Erica. I'm so excited to have you and I'm so excited to share your amazing just view on healing and life and the genuine gentle soul that you are. Um, Megan and I met via Instagram when I moved to Colorado. I One of my friends sent me her page and I opened it up, Chronicles of a Sasquatch. We'll put those in the show notes. And I was just like, I need to know this human. I need to know who this is. So I reached out to her super vulnerably and was like, I don't have friends here in Colorado. Would you like to meet? She's like, absolutely. And so we met on a blind coffee date, I guess you could say, because <laughs> you'll visit her. You didn't know what I looked like. You didn't know what I looked like. <laughs> Go to her page right now. Pause this. Go check her out. Chronicles of a Sasquatch. Then you'll know what I'm talking about. I didn't know who she was. And she's like, I will be looking for you. What are you wearing? Right? She already knew who I was. So we sat down and had a coffee conversation and the rest is freaking history. So Megan, tell us a little bit like about yourself and the just gems that you have within you. I also love when we first met and how like within five minutes, like we both had tears in our eyes and we were like, oh my God, it's like I've known you forever. And like, it was just so awesome to connect with people off Instagram, but you can just tell somebody's vibe and then our message, like just what you're out to create in the world. And I was like, this is such a cool woman. Like, of course I want to get coffee and be friends with you. Yeah. It was just so cool. So I was so grateful that we got to meet. And then here we are, really good friends now. Right. And we've hung out so many times since and like cried and laughed and it's beautiful. Like, oh, yeah, all the things. But yeah, so, well, my name's Megan and I am, like Erica just said, the creator of the, the Chronicles of a Sasquatch Instagram. And what that whole thing really was, was basically a way to free myself of my own like limiting beliefs, stories, thoughts that I had on repeat about myself. And I had a spiritual awakening, I guess you could say, um, in five years ago. And when I had this shift in perspective, I realized that like, I wanted to be this like fully self-expressed woman. And I was living in, I mean, I was living in Denver still at that time, but I had a corporate job. I was going out every weekend drinking and I just I wanted to live this fuller expressed version of myself, like this woman on fire that's having an impact, making an impact on the world. But there are these voices and these parts of myself within me that wouldn't allow me to do so. And I just like dubbed them like my inner critic, my inner monster. I was just so afraid of judgment and what people would think about me that I lived a very small condensed version of myself. And so I tried meditating that part of me away, my inner critic, my inner monster. And I was like, I have this mean girl that's like living in my head right now. And she won't let me show up and like be seen. She won't let me. And after I tried to get rid of her positive affirmations, nothing was working. And finally, one day I sat with that part of myself and got to know it. I got curious about it. And that's when I realized how scared that part actually was because it didn't want to be judged, which judgment means disconnection, right? And like, didn't want to be alone. And I asked what that part of myself needed. And she was like, create with me, put on a mask and create with your inner monster. And I promise you, I'll take you where you want to go. And so that's just such a nutshell version of my Sasquatch journey of me creating from my inner critic and my inner mean girl, putting it on a monster mask and a velour bodysuit and like 
literally just freeing myself and using that Instagram page as medicine so I could free myself. And then I did not expect the following, the things that would lead after that, but it makes complete sense now that after that part of me said, I promise if you use me instead of get rid of me, you can make this into your power. And that's what I did. Oh, so much amazingness. I literally, I was like getting the chills and my eyes were watering again. Just even rehearing that story over and over again, I could listen to it for days. And I think the thing that's so beautiful is the fact that so often we're taught to hide our insecurities, to change the things we don't like, to quiet the voices in our heads, to basically disown everything that we are. And you're doing the opposite. You are working with it. You are playing with it. And that is something you have taught me or reiterated within me is to play with the things we've so-called deem as our insecurities. And I want to ask you, how did you get to that place where your inner voice told you to create? How can someone that's listening to this get to that point as well? Yeah, I like to view it. So I'm a voice dialogue facilitator and I view our psyche and our inner world in a very specific way. So I'll give you just like, I'll paint this in a picture. So think of like your psyche or your inner world as like this beautiful symphony, right? So like there's people sitting in chairs and they all have like their instruments. And I view that as like our personality and our ego. But I view that we have multiple selves. Like I have the part of myself that's happy. I have the part of myself that's sad. I have the part of myself that judges myself sometimes. I have the part of myself, honestly, that sometimes tries to manipulate situations, if I'm getting real honest here today. And there's another part of myself that's like living on fire, like dancing on fire, confident. I have so many aspects as to who I am. And it's not until we actually zoom in on a self or we could zoom in with the orchestra analogy. Let's look at the saxophone today who like say when something happens in life and like sometimes we get triggered and anger comes up and all of a sudden anger just has the solo in our life. So you could look at like the saxophone is like our anger and the saxophone is just going to town because it was triggered because something that happened in the past. And so anger just takes over. So it's not until we cultivate and flex our awareness as like the conductor, say like you take the role of the conductor and you zoom in to that anger or that saxophone and you say, hey, I want to get curious about you. I don't want to judge you anymore. I don't want to shame you, but I want to get curious and figure out why you're there, how you were there and how that you've helped me in my past. But maybe we can look at this a new way. We can relate to you differently so that you're not doing this unconsciously, that I don't have a conscious choice. Like when sometimes I use anger because that's the best one where sometimes anger just comes up and like all of a sudden now anger just has a solo and like, you're like, what's going on? I'm not consciously, you know, choosing this anger right now, but that's just a really great example of how we like direct ourselves and look at a certain self and just get curious, like start asking questions to that self. Mm, That's a beautiful point. I think the curiosity is the point where you start to understand yourself more, right? You start to accept yourself more because when you're curious, you understand where you're coming from and you're able to embrace it and put in and love it. As far as the curiosity that created the Chronicles of a Sasquatch or the Sasquatch, what was that dialogue that you had with yourself in more depth than what you gave us at the beginning? Yeah. So I spoke with, I turned myself and I, sometimes I'll literally put like a, I'll draw something, a little monster or something like out in front of me. So it's something separate from me mm-hmm. and I'll ask it questions such as, Hey, I see that you're speaking to me in a, in a way that's kind of, it, it feels to me like it's, it's me. Like you're, you're judging me. You're telling me I can't express myself and I've been trying to get rid of you, but I'm realizing that this is not helping at all. So I would like to get curious of why are you here? When did you first come around my life? What age was I? And so usually like my, for my specific inner critic, it was like, you know, around five years old. Well, why did you come around at five years old? Well, there was an experience that happened when we were younger. You stood up in class and you wanted to sing a song just in the middle of class out of nowhere. And the teacher looked at you and was like, pipe down, be quiet. That's not appropriate for this classroom right now. Like we're not having this. So in that moment, my inner critic was like, 
pipe down because this is not accepted here. And we, we need acceptance from the teacher. We need, we need to fit in here that pipe down because this is weird. That's weird. Nobody just liked what you just did. So that's weird. So that doesn't go away. Things like that get shoved into our unconscious mind as children because we just go on living our life. And, you know, this happens over and over and over again. And so I got to realize that that part of myself, the inner critic was so scared that if I were to go up as a 33 year old woman, or at the time I was 29 and I started like dancing in public and speaking my truth, that the same exact situation would happen again. And I would have to feel that utter shame of, oh my God, I just did something so wrong by stepping out. And so there's a level of compassion that comes once we get curious, because I realized that that part of me was just so freaking scared. So then I was like, the whole conversation then shifts. Well, if you're scared, how can I help you feel more safe? How can I help you feel safe so that we can go express ourselves? Because I'm being called that I need to express myself. And that part was like, why don't you create with me? You say you want to do this shadow work. Well, why don't you use me? And instead of judge me, why don't you create with me and I'll become your best friend? And that's what happened. Yes. So it's really the curiosity and then the, the internal dialogues, the dialogue you created with yourself, and then the embracing of that so-called story or voice that was in your head that allowed you to create from the Sasquatch and step into your purpose. Is that correct? Yeah. And like energy isn't good or bad. Energy just is. It's the thinking mind that makes it so. It makes it good or it makes it bad. So the second that we say something is bad and it shouldn't be here, we repress it, but then it gets created in distorted ways because it's just energy. And it's like, I need to be expressed. If you're not going to look at me, I'm going to come out in these ways so that you can finally look at me and see me. And I think there's a misconception with shadow work is people are like, oh, you're the darkness, all the darkness, but also like our light and our power can get hidden in our unconscious too. Of say when, you know, another example of a, a little girl growing up in a family and they don't like women speaking, using their voice or asserting confidence. They like nice, you know, polite little girls that that little girl decides she wants to be confident and speak up for something. And they shame her and say, no, no, be easy. You just go with things. Be the polite girl. Well, that little girl will learn, okay, well, who I need to be in this family is to be nice and polite and just go with everything. But she's going to stuff her power and like her confidence in her shadow. And then that's how you know, she'll continue to live her life until she finally decides to go and excavate that part from her shadow. The shadow basically is just everything that you cannot see in yourself that's operating from your subconscious mind. Right. That was my next question. What is, so that's the shadow. What is shadow work in, I guess, if you were to give it a definition, you've given it, you painted a really beautiful picture, but um, some people are more auditory. Some people are more visual. What is shadow work per se? If someone wants to start getting into it, and exploring that part, that in themselves. Yeah. So shadow work is the process of going into your subconscious mind with compassion, curiosity, love. It's almost like you're going, I'm picturing this, this person going back into their subconscious mind with a lantern and they're going in and they have no idea what they're going to find, but they are carrying the light with them. And all shadow and shadow work is, and darkness is, is the without light. So there is no such thing as darkness. Like when you walk into a room, do you turn on like a dark switch? No, you only turn on a light switch. Mm -hmm. So all what the process is, is going into your subconscious, into your darkness, but realizing that all it was, was just lacking the light of awareness. And once we can turn towards something and be aware of it, then now we can, now we can do something with it. But until we're aware of something, things are just operating from our subconscious. And that's why we create patterns that we say that we don't want or things that are, that are out of alignment with what we say that we want. Yeah. Powerful. And that is such a good thing to shine light on is the fact that so many of us are, we're taught to create change, make change, change this, change that. When in actuality, like we're already whole within. And so the power of creating with the stories or the experiences or the shame, the guilt that we have held within us can actually make us more powerful. Is that correct? Yeah. And with keeping with the example of the little girl who realized that she needed to be polite and nice and go with the flow for her family. And she 
disidentified and disowned and rejected her confidence and threw it in her shadow, threw it in her subconscious. And she didn't do this, by the way, like consciously. This was a very unconscious thing that happens. And that's what creates the conscious mind versus the subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. But in her turning toward her subconscious and being like, she may, she may go throughout her life overvaluing women she sees that are confident because she doesn't realize that that's in her too. She's just totally disidentified with it and she's projecting it out onto other people. Mm. So that's a great way to find out what some of your shadows are is what, one, what do you judge in other people? What triggers you about how other people are acting that have nothing to do with you is a great way to find out something that you have rejected in yourself. And then two, what do you overvalue or put on a pedestal in somebody else? Because that is also something that is rejected or denied within yourself. So turning towards these parts of yourselves to reclaim them, reclaim them, integrate them back into your life, that you're, that you're just going to become that confident person because you're, re- you're going back and reclaiming it for yourself. Powerful. And I, I agree with that so tremendously because I know that's been probably the biggest thing that has helped me into my healing is being like, okay, why do I judge this person? Why is this person being super loud, really annoying me? And it comes up like, and it's not like the work's ever done. Like it'll come up time and time again, new projections or new things and people will bother you. And that's just a chance for you to go deeper within yourself. What would you say within you are a couple experiences where you've experienced that and how did you use those in your healing? Yeah. Well, especially with like when um, judgments come up and we're all human. So don't judge your judgments. Like that's point of this is to get curious. And even with the shame or the judgments of, I see that you're judging something right now. And I'm curious. I want to know more. I don't want to judge you. I want to figure this out. But a lot of times, like in my own healing process now, when I come up in a judgment or something's in the space, I like to lovingly call things up now because that's my way of bringing it out from the shadow those the things that nobody's saying and I'll say them and I'll put them into language and I'll do so with love and compassion. But until we start bringing those up and bringing them into the space and into the conversation, they lurk around in the space. And if we're all very powerful, empathic human beings, and we all can read energy that when you get, you know, really in touch with your body and in yourself, when somebody says something, sometimes like sometimes you hear something very different, just like in the space and in your body that calling those things up, with compassion and curiosity helps clear these and excavate them so that you can release them and they're like not yours anymore. How do you call them up? So, you know, sometimes with uh, like, I'll just give for for example, my best friend, if she says something and, you know, she's talking about her own business that she's building or she says something and she, with one thing that she's saying, but I hear something different. I just hear something different. When she says it, it just hits me in a way that I feel something different. Instead of stepping over that, like maybe I would have when I was trying to be the nice, the nice girl and the nice friend. And you can still be nice when you're calling things up. That's not nice and calling things up into the space are not synonymous. Like, I mean, they, they can be one and the same. And sometimes if I hear something or feel something different, I stop in that moment. You have to be very present and say, hey, I would love to share if you're open to this, something that is in the space right now or something that's coming up within me about what you just said that I would just love to share and bring up because it's here, it's present for me. Mm-hmm. And usually when you start to create safety within yourself, you start to attract people that are very safe spaces too, that you can have those conversations and people's egos won't get triggered and they're in defense mode and that we can have a safer conversation of just like, it's here and I just want to call it up and like, let's just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool experience to connect with somebody instead of when we like to hold things in or not fully show up or express ourselves, even when we maybe believe or hear something different than the other person said. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. Something I took from that was you start to attract the people that are in alignment with you when you start to become more true and authentic to yourself. Right. So when you are feeling uncomfortable around people or around situations rather than judging them, asking yourself why this is coming up and are the, is it because I'm not being authentic to myself? I'm not being true to what I value and not overvalue, but just value. And how can I use this to deepen my awareness or my connection to myself? So I'm curious going back again to 
Is there a specific experience that has happened, say, where someone's come around and triggered something in you? And how did you work through that? So they can see a visual of like what judgments can do to create awareness within yourself and how we can work through those, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what's coming from mind when you just said that? I I did an event a few weeks ago and there was somebody in the group that I was facilitating the event for. Every time I look at this person, I thought that they, I actually thought that they were judging me. It's almost like I was projecting like my mother or something on them. And I thought that they were judging me. So I'm like looking around at everyone and everything's fine. Every time I looked at this specific person's eyes, I was like, I felt like judgment or shame. And because I was like, I'm facilitating this and I want to be a space for everybody. And so I need to call up what's in my space for this because I think I'm projecting my mom on her. And like a little girl version of myself is here present. But instead of ignoring that and stepping over it, and then that I lose out on a connection with somebody because I can't even look them in the eyes for that long, I decided I was going to call it up in the space because I wanted that to get out of the way so that I actually could have a connection with this person. Mm-hmm. So I called it up in a space and I was like, hey, I really just wanted to call this up because it's here for me that I think I'm projecting my mom on you. And I, I'm like, I feel judged and she like this little girl version of me. And like, I just wanted to call that up because that's really interesting. And in that she was like, oh, really interesting. Anyways, we keep moving on. But later on after that, she comes up to me and said that she has done the exact same thing because of the things that she went through when she was a child with her mom. And it was like, we got to connect on something that before, if I wouldn't have said anything, I would have like, we wouldn't have had a connection. I just like wouldn't have looked her in the eyes and then I wouldn't have been of service to a beautiful person in that room. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a really cool example of when we call things up sometimes, like we call things up from the shadows and the things that somebody else might not say. We do it, that when we do it with love and compassion, we clear it out of the room and then I actually get to be with you without all that stuff in the space. Yeah, that's so, so much vulnerability in that too, because it takes you being able to be like, this is what I'm feeling or this is what's coming up. And without judgment, this is what I'm trying to under, like I'm trying to just clear up, right? And I think within that, it allows us to have other people to be able to step into that portion of themselves too. So you can even vocalize like I'm doing this from a place of love or from a place of curiosity to preface it. And that will allow them to make it kind of like a spiral effect into their lives, into with other people around them. Yeah. And trust me, I would not have had ever had that conversation if I did not do my own internal inner work to excavate that part before Megan, six years ago would have thought that that person was just judging her. And then she would have not looked them in the eyes and then we would never have had that conversation and I would have never had that experience with that person. It's like doing your own inner work and creating that safe space within yourself to know why we're doing certain things. That creates a way different relationship in yourself and then will be reflected to you externally as well. Yeah, your internal world is a reflection of your external and vice versa. External is a reflection of internal for that, that's, that's something I wanted to touch on there is I talk about a lot about inner work and I've given my explanations of it many times before. I would love for you to touch on that and what is inner work and what does that mean? And if someone's really new to just maybe they're just in their fitness and nutrition journey and they haven't started to dive into who they are as human beings, how can they get started and what, it, what does that even mean? Yeah, I just used to live my life very outside in. So like everything that was happening external from me, something would happen and I'd react and then I'd react outwards. And I was living a very outside in experience. And just when you said inner work, this was the first thing that popped up is I feel like when you start turning towards and getting curious about why you act in the ways that you do, why do you react or why do you, why does your body tense up when somebody talks about you know, something that makes you uncomfortable and your whole body has a physical reaction mm-hmm. to turn towards that and get curious. And I think inner work is when you start to shift your perspective and live your life inside out of what's going on within me and how am I showing up in this world and what am I putting out into this world rather than what's going on out there. And then when something bad happens and I'm going to feel bad and vice versa, you're just kind of like at the mercy of your outside circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so with internal work, it's just turning towards 
yourself and I found shadow work and I know this looks very different between, you know, Erica, your journey was different mm-hmm. of what that looks like, but it's getting, turning towards yourself, looking in the mirror at yourself on how you're showing up and how you want to claim like your power in your life. Cause a lot of times when we live life based on external circumstances, we, t- we give away our power. Mm-hmm. And I think living internally out that gives us our power back and you have to look at some parts of yourself that maybe have given up power, but you can't ignore it. We got to look at these things in the eye so that we can have awareness of them so that then we can transform them. Hell yeah. So damn true. And I think that's a great definition of what internal work even is, is just being able to look at this world or your, your life and the world that you're living in from a place of why is this happening for me? Not, Oh, this is happening to me. That happened to me. Like this is happening for me. Where is this coming from? Is this from a projection of an old insecurity, an old story that I'm still holding on to, And that's the reflection I'm getting back from the external world. Or is this coming from the belief systems I have that maybe again, aren't my true and authentic self. And that's what's reflecting back to me. So a lot of times the external world will throw things straight at your face that you cannot dodge experience wise. And rather than being like looking at as a matter of fact, starting to dig deep into what is this trying to teach me? What am I supposed to learn from this experience or this person or things along those lines? And I think that's the curiosity comes like you've been using the word curiosity a lot is a great place to start for people that are just starting to learn themselves. Yeah. And when you think of like that, the universe loves us, loves you, loves me so much that it's going to throw us these things because it wants to make us conscious. It wants us to evolve. It wants us to see parts of ourselves that we do not see. That's how much we are loved is that we're going to get things, we're going to get things thrown at us, but it's to evolve. Mm -hmm. And when you have that perception rather than why is life doing this to me? That is very, very different perception and a very different experience that you're going to have with that. Yeah. And um, my coach once told me that it's not the experience that is the negative or positive. It's the way we relate to the experience that's the negative or positive. And so universe throws us these experiences, not for us to judge the good or bad in it, but for us to evolve and grow within those experiences. Yeah. If we really want to get existential, every single thing is neutral. Nothing has meaning. It's all neutral. It's the thinking mind. It's our minds that love to create if it's good or bad, right or wrong, up, down, left, right. And that is then the meaning that we assign to it. And then we experience it in the exact way of the meaning that we prescribe to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So juicy there because it gives people a bigger awareness or creates more consciousness within people to look at life that way and gives you more power because you're not looking at it as, Oh my God, this is good or bad. You're like, Ooh, like this, I could be like really neutral in this position and just take the the gems or the gold from this experience. Um, Whether that be something that makes you feel internally uncomfortable or internally elated is still going to be, that next step towards your growth, right? Yeah. And like, I'll even just give like an on the corn example of when I used to date men back in the day uh, before I did any kind of work, say if something didn't work out and they decided that it, it wasn't a good fit for them and they would leave. I made that mean they rejected me because I'm not good enough. And like, I'm unlovable and I would create suffering based on what's what a neutral event happened. Somebody decided that they're going to go another way. And I created a whole story of that and then experienced that over and over again until I found the work and I started doing this work that when it would happen, and then I would be like, oh, this doesn't have to, I don't have to make this mean that I'm being rejected and I'm unlovable. I could just make this mean that person just spoke their truth and they're going a separate way in their life, which is meaning that I get to find somebody closer to me the next time that that's more of a good fit. And like, then you get to play with this. And then you start, you start to see your reality change and you start to see how powerful you actually are because you're creating all of it with our stories. I mean, humans, we're like the best storytellers ever. We're like, it's literally what we all are is these creative storytellers that love some drama sometimes because what is a good movie without a little bit of drama? And like, we love to create these little soap operas in our life that you are the creator 
the author of this soap opera, then now it starts to get fun because now you can play with it. Yeah, I like to say, how good can life get? Like, how good can you make something out to be, right? And I, I, I want to go to that dating thing as well Is if I look back five, 10 years ago when I was dating, that was far away from my truth. And I'm like, thank you, universe, that you didn't allow me to be with that person. Holy hell. No judgment against that person, but just the way that I've evolved into the woman that I am today because of those experiences. And then as I continue to evolve and continue to evolve, I start to meet men that are more able to talk spirituality, who are more able to hold space for me to be the woman, the feminine, divine feminine that I am, that allow me to, that push me to want to become better. And it started from a place of every man's intimidated by me. Every man is this. And it was like this definition of what I thought was my reality. But as I started to shift my perspective and evolve deeper into like my work and my healing, now I look back and I'm like, every single time I date some man, he becomes closer to that idea of the man I want to manifest into my life. And my friend and I talk about this all the time. And it's like, holy crap, every time we lose a guy or we are over a man or something like that, the next one comes in is so much closer to the one we want. Yeah. And you just, and it's funny that when we look at things in hindsight, like they were like, oh, everything happens exactly as it should. Or like I wouldn't have, thank God I didn't marry that first guy I dated. He's, you know, you know, whatever, wherever he's at. And, but then it's really funny that in the present moment, sometimes we lose, we lose that. But, and then we always know that I know my future self is going to look back at this moment and be like, it had to happen like this. And so that always helps me when I am going through something and life is giving me something that I get to move through that, you know, I'm not saying that when we get to create these new stories that emotions aren't going to come up. We're human. And this is the fun of it is that we are going to experience all the range of emotions and we should. But that I always try to remind myself, even when I'm in it, of like my future self is going to look at this moment and know exactly why this had to happen this way because she is smiling from her evolved self, looking at me as I'm on the floor crying because I just lost a a client or I just, you know, something happened and I'm... I know I will know exactly why this was supposed to happen one day. And so that's always a good reminder when life hits us with what life hits us. Hell yeah. And I like to touch on the emotion part of that it is so often we're taught, especially as women to not be emotional, to, you know, not express the vulnerability that we're feeling in a relationship to be hard or in that relationship with an intimate partner or with friends or whatever. And to really just put up this like board. And um, I remember we, me, you and I had a conversation the other day where I said, I just have a really hard time feeling intense emotion. And as I started digging a little bit deeper, I started to realize that the reason why is because I've been taught to be a strong woman, to be a, I don't need no man type chick, right? Mm-hmm. To be like, I don't feel because I'm strong. And it became this physical board or protective layer within myself. So when you touched on the fact that it's okay to feel every type of emotion, do you have any advice for maybe someone who isn't able or who has been told that emotion to be, to be, to feel and to have intense emotions is bad? Yeah. I mean, that's, you'd need to go to the part of yourself that thinks that it's bad, that has internalized that message from what you heard growing up. Because a lot of times we internalize the messages that we hear from mom and dad, we then internalize them and then they become our own voices. Mm -hmm. And getting to know those parts of why is this so scary for you? If I show emotion, what does that mean? And it could mean like in childhood, I'd be rejected. Um, You know, mom would tell me to stop crying, that I'm a baby. That A lot of men, I think, have a hard time, women too, but men especially where showing emotions is weak and they don't want to be seen as weak because then that's vulnerable. But they, but in this evolved world that we're moving into, vulnerability is actually the greatest strength ever. But we have been like bamboozled almost thinking that it's our weakness. So like going to the protective mechanisms and selves that you have against expressing emotions, those parts are very scared. And you want to be able to bring them something to soothe them so that they feel safe enough to start to express a little bit more and a little bit more of, you know, if a a guy is experiencing a heartache or he needs to cry, and having that be okay. 
And I just think emotions are so beautiful. They're part of the human experience. To the degree in which you'll feel your sadness is the degree in which you'll feel your happiness. You need to feel all of them fully. And I love to create with them. And I love, I love them for like to wash over my body and I'll take the role of my observer. And I'm like, I invite this experience into my body fully because I want to experience it. Even if it's fear or terror, I want to feel it because it's here and it's present. And when we don't feel things and we keep pushing them down, that's when we start to create disharmonies in our life and dis-ease in our bodies because we keep pushing energy down, but it's not going anywhere. It's, it's still, it's within us. Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing you've ever told me was to allow yourself to feel. And what does that look like? I was confused when you told me that, right? And you told me just to, if that means literally sitting crisscross and looking at yourself in the mirror and just feeling the intense emotions radiate and pulse through your body until they leave is powerful. And I took that and like now I'm, I use that because I've practiced it so much since then with my clients is like laying starfish on the ground and just letting every bit of you feel that emotion, right? Because that then allows you to not push it into your shadows, into your subconscious. And going off of that is the fact that you said that dis-ease, right? The dis-ease also plays into Mm -hmm. disease. Can you explain a little bit more into how your mind can create disease within the body? Yeah. Well, a lot of it's like energy, right? Like these energy patterns get, get stuck in our body. And to bring this down and like really simplify this, and I'm really simplifying this, yeah. everything is energy. Literally everything is energy. It just vibrates at a certain frequency. And then that's like attracts like. And when we have these energies come into our space due to our childhood conditioning or due to a, a past experience that we had, a traumatic experience, it's almost like these energies get attached to us and we create from these energetic fields. So we have energy like vibrating on us, like it's, it's currently happening right now. And Erica, like while we're in each other's experiences because we have certain levels of thoughts of how we be the world. So that's why we kind of came together and we vibe out when we vibe out. Yeah. But a lot of times when we don't, like even our organs have conscious, everything is energy and it has consciousness. Mm-hmm. And even our organs, we can stuff things into our organs. So like a lot of times when just certain things, when we don't want to deal with it, when we don't, when we want to push it away, we shove them unconsciously into certain organs and places in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And then that's what creates disease. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yes, that our, our mind creates it, but it's also getting like curious. Like sometimes I've talked to people's like spleens before or their wombs and we'll give that an energy and give that a voice. And then that's when we start to see like how that part of themselves is actually feeling due to whatever is being held in their space. And like people have like, people have cured so many diseases and things within themselves when they've channeled the energy that's in a certain place in our body. Like I have some pain on the back left of my body right now. And I've been really trying to channel this pain of what emotions here, what haven't I felt? What, what do I need to express so that this can move throughout my body? And it's a beautiful experience when you get that intimate with yourself. Yeah. And there's two things to touch on to make it a little clear is like, I like to say energy to, for, for the person who isn't as evolves, right. Or is still learning to understand energy is when you just rub your two hands together and you create that friction and you, and then you finish rubbing your hands together and you, you feel that pulse between your palms that is a really simple illustration of the energy we can create as human beings. Obviously, like you said, on a very simple level, super simplistic, but that shows an illustration of energy. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on was the fact that you said that experiences live within certain portions of your body. So if you're curious of what that looks like, somatics is that type of exploration, um, that modality of healing is traumas live in our bodies in specific areas. And I have that same example as like my hips have been so tight for so long and I can go to do mobility. I can go to personal trainers. I was a personal trainer and I could still could not free or open up my hips. And I've recently started working with a somatics coach to free that those experiences that have the sexual traumas that have caused those feelings in my body to free them from my body. Right. And so that's like such a powerful thing to touch on. 
our body holds everything and as well as trauma, but also say if you were, you know, a 14 year old little boy and somebody, you didn't make a team or something happened and you wanted to cry, but you did not allow yourself to cry, that that is going to be stored in your body somewhere. And when we live our life living like that over and over again, that's why at certain points when people just have achy backs or like things are just in pain because of how much is being stored. And this goes like ancestrally, like down your ancestral line, like things that happen, they're stored in our body. And that's why a lot of us leave our bodies and go up to our minds because we can't, we can't be with this, the sensations happening in our body. So I, my own personal work, I've been coming home into my body a lot lately and getting into my body and feeling what is actually going in my body, the sensations. And sometimes it can get pretty intense and I can sit with it for a certain amount of time before I have to take a break or I go eat a piece of food because I can't sit with the feeling anymore. And that's okay. I don't judge myself, but really our, our bodies are just so powerful and they hold so much information, knowledge, and history in them. Yes. And how can someone that's just getting into this start to connect to their bodies or start to allow themselves to come home to their bodies? Like any tangible little tools that they can use to do that? Well, I think one, just with the intention of maybe becoming aware that you have left your body and that, you know, you don't allow yourself to feel certain things or you're just completely disconnected with your emotions and you live in your mind and you're extremely analytical and logical and all that's great. That's not a bad thing. But when we're only live in our minds and not in our bodies, that's when things are off balance. But I think just having the intention of wanting to get connected to your body is the first step. Realizing that you aren't connected to your body would be the first step. How do you realize that? And I think just based on my own journey is I, I, and Erica, we talk a lot about this of like masculine and feminine energies. (laughs) I'm sure you're like, I know where she's going with this (laughs) of like getting like masculine and feminine energies and what wounded masculine is wounded feminine, divine masculine, divine feminine. And just realizing that when I was 22 years old, um, my mother said something that was really um, hurtful and shameful to me that it was too hard to experience being in my body that I had to leave my body. My consciousness completely left my body and I went to my head because I couldn't deal with the pain that I felt. And so maybe thinking back on places in your life that's something that was very traumatic or just painful that you realize that something shifted after that day where you realize that you had walls all around you or you know when you try to date people, they started getting farther away. You'd like to date long distance. This is my own personal journey. When this happened, I realized the only people I would ever date is men that lived in other states because I, things just start getting farther and farther. I don't want people to get close to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And like when I was looking back at my life of like, oh my God, that's, that thing happened when I was 22. Then something shifted. That's when my eating disorder started. That's when I started dating people very far in proximity to me. And I started to like, you know, do a little investigation on my life to find where that court, where that something happened so that I can go look at that, experience that again, so that I can, I can heal it. I can transform it. Yeah. That's so cool that you brought that up. I've been, this has like been sitting in my consciousness, this whole podcast, I think since the beginning, when you mentioned um, just the childhood experiences, I think you kind of hit it on the head, or if you could it, like go into it a little bit deeper, how can we understand that a specific childhood experience shifted us or shaped us or obviously like becoming aware and becoming more conscious, it becomes easier. But if you're just getting started, how can someone start to explore that or know that? I would just get really curious about in a non-judgmental way about experiences in your childhood. And it doesn't have to be this huge thing sometimes, although those, those, you know, those are just as much of a, you know, a big thing that could be a smaller thing, but just to look at the ways in which you were allowed to express yourself and the ways in which you were not in the ways in which when you were to be this loud, expressive version of yourself, maybe maybe dad disconnected from you and was like, I, I don't connect with this. And then you felt shame around that because you want to be connected. And this isn't to shame or judge your parents either, but we do have to look at things objectively and we have to look at you know how the experience affected us before we could ever move through it. But looking at ways in which was appropriate for you to express yourself and which ways were not appropriate for you to express yourself And that's a really good way to see what emotions were good and what emotions are bad to you. And then the bad ones usually do not get expressed. And that's when they get, they get stuffed away in our psyche or in our bodies because we stuffed them away. Mm -hmm. 
So that would be, I guess, the most basic version if you're starting with this of like just looking at your childhood objectively or experiences. And were you allowed to cry? Were you allowed to be angry? That's a big one for women. Were you allowed to be angry and express anger? So a lot of times women were not allowed to be angry when they were younger, so they still aren't. And they just, then it gets internalized. Mm-hmm. So looking at just looking at everything objectively with, like we said, curiosity that we just, we want to be curious about what was appropriate, what was not appropriate. So I can see if any of my ailments or my body, if it makes sense of why, where these things are held within me. Yes. And I wanted to give an example, if I may, of when I was younger, I remember experienced so vividly where I ended up being teased and made fun of because I found self-pleasure in my sexuality at such a young age in the classroom that I didn't know what it was, that I got made fun of, I got shamed, I got made guilty for these things. And from then that small story of that one experience where I was made fun of on that one day affected my whole sexuality, my whole sex life, the way I allowed myself to show up in the bedroom, in experiences, even just like friendship, intimacy, that type of stuff. And that affected so much of that. So I like to share that only because that's an example of how you can look at your smaller or your little experiences that could have shifted or shaped you in a specific way. Yeah. And just like look at your life too, of like things, if a lot, there's a lot of shame, collective shame with sexual power in women. It's just like how this mm-hmm. like world that we were born into works and why we're doing this work that we're doing of notice when your body contracts, if somebody's talking about sex and you notice your body contracts, that is a huge red flag as to something you are literally like rejecting and contracting your body's unconsciously doing it. So it's holding, it's holding a memory. It's holding an experience there. Or when, you know, money, if, if like you have these wounds with money or something around, you know, being worthy of and valuable with around money and people are talking about money and you notice something tenses up. That's a red flag. It's getting aware of your reactions when things, when your body reacts in these ways that you didn't consciously decide that you were going to tense up. It just happened. Yeah. So true to experience. That's, I think the depths of experiencing that is how you can start to maybe go back a year. Okay. That kind of happened there. Go back three years. Ooh, that related to that. And okay. Go back 10 years. Right. And so coming from that place of where you currently are and finding stories that backtrack can help you really like understand the childhood experiences. Is that correct? Yeah. And just like the world, we're born into a world that is not fully evolved. So this is why we're doing the work and it's fun. We can have fun with this. Mm-hmm. But even when I was a little girl and just like being naked and like cover that up, that's your private parts, cover them up. But as a child, you're living your life. You have no concept of, of like the, the world that you're being brought into. And you have somebody yelling at you, mom or dad saying like, cover up, like don't show anybody that cover up. And in that you're like, oh my God, okay, this is what I'm doing is wrong. This is, this part of my body must be wrong. So I'm, I, I can't, I, and then we create these things with it. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have to be like this big experience that happened. It could literally be like you were running around naked as a child and your mom screamed at you and said, you can't be showing yourself like that, but you're three. And you're like, what, what Or you're four? Whatever they, you're yeah. still just this innocent little being that's learning and just taking in things from mom and dad. Yes. And it's like you said, not to say that we need to judge mom and dad for that. They're only operating from the lens that they know and their experiences from their experiences and their parents and the parents' parents. So it's just becoming neutral into the exploration and the curiosity of what kind of contractions or even the expansions of what makes you feel super excited and super free. That's how you can also explore the depths of maybe your truth and what really makes you feel in alignment or authentic to who you came here to be. I think too, it gets missed a lot of times because pleasure can be a good guide to our true self. Yeah. Same. I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, pain too, pain and pleasure are one and the same. They're on the same spectrum mm-hmm. on the poles of using those as your guide on what your truth is and what your true North is. Yeah. Because how many times have you heard that like age old story of like the artist that just wants to paint, but somebody told them down the line that you can't make money making art. 
So they decided that they're going to become an accountant. But in that, they're like, they feel like a robot because that's not actually where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But like when they're painting and they're like, okay, this is, this is where I feel alive. Like this, it's not random. The places that you come alive, it is not random. And, we, and you need to follow that. Yeah. Yes. And just like you said, the pains or the struggles we go through or the things that we don't align with or feel alive in really, really, really show us that there's something better out there and that we're not going toward our true north. The polarity is what you said, the pain versus pleasure um, can help us depending on who you are. Some person can wake up through the understanding of the polarity of pleasure and some person can wake up in the understanding of this is the pain they don't want to live through every single day. So I love that you brought that up. It's so powerful. How do you believe that doing this type of work and inner healing and the inner work and developing a spiritual practice, how do you think this adds to people's lives who may not have experienced the taste of this bliss? Well, let's just use what you just said, polarity, because I love polarity. Mm -hmm. Say, you know, when I, there was at one point in my life and what polarity is, is that one thing cannot exist without its opposite. So hot and cold only exist because we, I only know hot exists because I know what cold is. Mm -hmm. I only know what up is because I know what down is. Mm -hmm. And there was a point in my experience where I was hating my body, completely hating my body. And, but if we want to talk polarity, that if hating my body exists, loving my body has to exist Mm -hmm. because I can't know one without the other. But if I go to the side of the spectrum that's hating my body and I decide to hate it, hate my body even more, judge it. Let me control it. And Eric, I know that you, we've talked about this. Like I got into bodybuilding as you, as did you let me control this. So then once I control it, then I'll love my body. But see that it never was the case. Mm -hmm. I had to, in my hating my body, figure out how to love my body in me hating it. How can I change my perspective and how can I love you right now in the present moment? Because in the future doesn't exist. If I can't love where I'm at right now, then I'll never like where I'm at in the future. Yeah. So it's really turning to these parts of ourselves that we claim is unwanted and getting curious about them, asking questions so that they transform. And we don't have to control. We don't have to do anything. They just transform because we got, we turned towards it, the unwanted thing and got curious. And we wanted to, and then I create with mine. So in that, they're like, oh my gosh, you're seeing me. At one point you hated me, but now you want to see me and dance with me and create with me. Oh, good. Okay. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll take you exactly where you want to go then more. You'll be more successful. You're an artist now. And now I just create from the very things that I say that I don't want. And I create the very opposite by not changing anything, but by loving exactly where I'm at. What I find to come in contact with so many women is like once they started to become their authentic self, they never knew their platform was going to grow. They never knew they were going to grow a business from their their story. They never knew that they were going to make all the impact they have and become a motivational speaker because they decided to get vulnerable and get um, real and start to like own those stories, the darkness and create with them. So I always, ever since you've told me that, I'm like, yes, it's so fucking true. Like if you see Glendon Doyle, she is now creating, she is the author of Untamed. If you are listening, you don't know, it's definitely check her book out. She started to create with the things she once hated and started to own those. And now she has the biggest impact in this space because she decided that she didn't have to live by any so-called status quo or any sort of societal norms. Like she could work with what, who she was and the the things she went through to create an impact. Shaming, shame, or judging, judging parts of ourselves. That is, it never creates change. Not ever. It never will. And it never has. And I think a lot of times in childhood, we grew up in families where things were right and wrong, good and bad. And like, then we learned that if we judge ourselves enough, then we'll change. But the thing is, is that we never change. Just the cycles keep happening. Mm-hmm. And I've just, in my own personal journey, if I pattern disrupt it, if I have awareness, more awareness, more awareness, I can pattern interrupt this and insert more love, more compassion, more curiosity, more creativity, that that's how these aspects of myself seem to transmute. And I keep stepping more fully into the woman that I'm becoming, not because I'm disregarding all of my so-called weaknesses, because I'm looking at them all in the face. And I'm like, I'm curious about you. I want to know where you came from and I want to know what you need and how I can help provide that and give that to you. 
And then once these parts of ourselves feel seen, then they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm good. You saw me. So maybe I don't have to come around or repeat these patterns or stories anymore because you paid attention to me. Yeah. Something that came into my space was either relation, like a relation. So like an intimate partner, if you are not giving that person the attention to the so-called good and the so-called bad, just to go off the polarities thing, then you are disregarding who they are as a human being. And so why does that change when it comes to who we are as human beings and individuals in ourselves? And then also an example of a baby. Like if you start to shame a baby for pooping or for screaming, right? It's like you're not embracing both parts of that person. And so you're starting to create shame and then they start to act out or they don't feel the love. So they leave or the connection between you two starts to dissipate because you're not embracing who they are. And that spills over into who we are as humans and as a, as an individual that when we start to neglect the truths of ourselves, where we deem them as shameful or disgusting, we start to create a disconnection to who we are. And like you gave that example, you leave your body and you go into your head and you start to create stories because you have neglected important portions of you and gave them a label. Yeah. And then I feel like I'm, even if I'm with somebody in a room, I feel like I'm, there's 10 million walls in between and I can't actually feel them at all. I feel extremely disconnected. And that's why this works, like reclaiming those aspects of yourself. And to the degree in which you have met yourself and loved yourself is the degree you can love or meet another person. Mm. So the inner work is why I think it's the most important is because I will never know another person if I don't know myself. And if somebody acts in a way and I'm, I'm you know, casting judgment or I'm shaming, I'm creating a separation. I'm creating disconnection, which isn't going to be good for anyone. And especially in myself, that's just showing the disconnection and separation within myself. And that's when I go back to excavate those parts of myself to bring them into unity and connect with them again and bring them into unity so that I'm not then creating that externally from myself as well. Yes. And a gem from that is like, I went uh, dating this man and trying to put up this wall and say I'm strong and, you know, he wasn't giving me the attention that I deserve And it started to create a disconnection between us because I was projecting the portion of myself I had not nourished yet, or I was projecting old traumas that someone else had left within my body onto him when in actuality it had nothing to do with him. It had to go with me coming inward and saying, okay, the fact that I am acting from this place of trying to be strong, trying not to be you know, weak and demanding what I deserve created a disconnection between him and I until I can, until I was able to express the fact that I saw those things within me. That is when the, the vulnerability created that connection. And that just goes to say like what you just said was the fact that until you can meet those portions in yourself, you're not going to learn to understand other people. Yeah. And whatever we disown or reject in ourselves, I love that you brought up projection. We're just going to project out there and then create from our own shadows. And until we go in and integrate them and bring them back into wholeness in ourself, then we can show up and we're not, we're showing up as just a clear, a clear vessel of love. And we're not projecting any of our, our unconsciousness on anyone or the world. It becomes so free, so free. (laughs) Um, What is your advice to people that may be trying to find deeper meaning, deeper connection, transcendence, something along those lines. I would honestly, I would turn inwards to yourself and get to know yourself because nothing is outside of you. You are, you are it. You, you have to be with yourself and live with yourself your entirety of your life. And if we don't know ourselves, then we don't, we will never know anything else outside of ourselves or we'll, subscribe to belief systems that aren't actually our truth. And then we end up in places that are not where our heart wants to be. And I just tell everyone to get to know yourself. Who are you underneath all of what other people told you that you were or society's rules, beliefs, conditioning? Who are you underneath all of that? And go towards that, which is inward. Don't do anything external. Go inward. 
Yes. And are there any specific practices that the listeners can take away to start to develop that understanding or connection to their inner being? I mean, my, my experience was I had a, an actual awakening where I became very separate from my thoughts, my beliefs. I had the awareness of them and there was a separation that occurred. Mm-hmm. And then I've been, I've been, you know, when I do my inner work, it's releasing all of my ego selves, transmuting them so I can get closer to my truth underneath that. So I guess what I would say to answer your question would be that get curious on your triggers, on get curious on the ways that you tense you tense your body, you tense yourself, you back away, you create disconnection from other people. What's coming up within you? And I always, I always tell my clients this when they're like, oh, this happened. I'm like, cool that that happened. What came up within you though? In that experience, what, what occurred for you in that? And that's a whole different game because, okay, something may have happened externally, but what occurred for you inside? What came up within you? And then get to know that. And that's when we start to get to know these parts of ourselves is when they don't have their hold on us as much that they start to release, they, they release. And that's one, how you get to know yourself is, is by releasing all that's not you. So that's probably actually, now that I just said that, of how to get to know yourself is get to know all the things that are not you because who you are, who you truly are is underneath all of it. And you don't need to, to become anyone. It's already there, but we have a lot of stories and ego things above that that like to mute that and cover it and have veils over who we truly are. So get to know all that you aren't so that they can, you can release them and just rest in your beingness. Beingness, just being, we don't need to be anything we're not. We can just live in freedom and be, I love that so much. And just the fact that you brought up the idea of curiosity, I think has stuck with me this whole conversation is I think curiosity comes from the fact that you're not trying to be something you're not, right? And so curiosity to me is like, that's, I think, what has allowed me to evolve also and has something that stuck with me through this conversation. Yeah. And even like, even within myself, but then when I'm having conversations with other people, when they may have a different perspective than I do, before I would have tensed up, I would have rejected their perspective. Mm. And now, because of just curiosity, I'm like, I know my truth, but I'm open to hearing other people's truths. I have an open mind with that. And it's a really cool way to have a conversation rooted in curiosity rather than right, wrong, or judgment, or however you were approaching conversations before, that curiosity is like, you're right. This, I feel like that's the word of our podcast today is curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like this is happening for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> the amazing thing within it is the fact that you said curiosity and I've talked about this before is that when you can start to understand you know nothing, that is when you start to learn yourself in more depth because you're so open to learning what other people have to say, to understanding why that triggered you and just becoming curious about other people and where they've come from in their stories. And I think that's beautiful because that's why I, I kind of created this podcast is because I'm curious. It's like almost a way for me to get perspectives of other people and take little nuggets from other people. Cause I'm so curious of like people's stories and everything they've gone through. And that's one thing that I, we, I connected with you so deeply on is just the gems you bring and the insight you allow me to see within myself and the way you show up for everyone in your life and like the space you hold for any sort of experience that someone goes through is like very gentle and very, when you're listening to say, I'm telling you a story, there's no like interjections or judgments or advice. It's very like you want to hear the whole thing and you keep that space so open that it's a talent. It's a gift. Thank you. And I feel that same way about you. And um, a lot of times with my clients, I'm like, I'm not healing you. I'm just holding a space and I'm getting curious. I just ask them questions mm-hmm. and like, and they, they figure it out themselves, but I'm holding a space that is safe, that you can say anything that you need to say right now. And there's no judgment whatsoever, because I know that when we repress things and we don't talk about things, they live and lurk in our shadows. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we just find someone that is a safe space, that in and of itself is healing 
because we can say things to them and be like, oh my God, they didn't even care that I just said that. Like that is a beautiful thing to be seen when you think that judgment may come your way. Yes. Two gems there that coach always creates space and provokes questions and thoughts doesn't tell you what to do, right? That's a beautiful thing about a coach. And then the other thing is just before this podcast, before we started recording, we were chatting about an experience I had. And that's the same, the same exact thing that came out of my mouth was I felt no hesitation around the story I was telling her and certain things that were kind of sticky that I, in other people that I've told. And it just flowed really easy because she creates that space, that curiosity, that openness, expansion, expansive space for everyone she's around. That's why I love you so freaking much. <laughs> I wish I could hug you in real life. I know I'll probably right? do that anyways, but I can. <laughs> right. I was like, we totally could have done this in person. But no, I just appreciate you and your time. And there, I think this was so much gold in this conversation. I don't think I know there was so much gold in this conversation. Um so two things. Just a reminder of where they can connect with you. I know we talked about at the beginning, but let us know where they can connect with you. Right now, I'm doing a whole rebrand. I'm going to show my face soon on my Sasquatch Instagram. So my whole website's down and we're rebranding everything. But Instagram's still up and live and that's the most, that's where the party's at. So at Chronicles of a Sasquatch and Sasquatch is spelled S-A-S-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H, two S's because she's sassy. Um, But you can find me on Instagram. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes so you can connect with Megan and uh, see her reveal, which is going to be in August, right? Yep. August 7th. August 7th. Amazing. And before I let you go, the money question is, what does it mean to live your life fearlessly? So mine's going to be a little bit of a paradoxical answer where living life fearlessly to me is not without any fear. In fact, all your fear is still there and it's still very much so intact. And you can feel the fear and you can look at the fear and honor the fear, but you do the thing that you wanted to do anyways. And you may even invite the fear alongside of you, but living fearlessly is feeling the fear and doing it anyways. I just got watery eyes because the absence of fear it's facing your fears head on. Oh, that's why you're my girl. I love you. <laughs> love you too. I'm so happy to know you and I'm so happy to share your story and this all this gold with my amazing audience. So they will be connecting with you. I will talk with you soon and I love you today. I love you too, Erica. So grateful we got to do this today. Amazing. Have a good one.